Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsipornchai. Well, brother, we are continuing on this uh, long track. We've had, I guess it'll be 11 weeks, I think, by the time we get done, going through the Ten Commandments. Um, and last week, we covered uh, committing adultery. You shall, you shall not commit adultery. This week, we're at the next one, which is in verse 15 of Exodus 20. It says, you shall not steal. Now, I find this one to be a very interesting commandment. Uh, when, especially considering the things that are happening in our country today, uh, kind of all Western society is really prim. I mean, we're really our current society really pushes the idea of theft, doesn't it? Yeah, and you see it in cities like, uh, especially San Francisco, where I believe the law was you you can go in and steal up to $950 worth and uh and you, either you won't be charged or it's a certain level of crime but uh but people have been basically stealing and uh, and not being um arrested for it and the justification from the other side is that well there are hardships growing up and uh, we we want them to have that that's uh, that's really their way of of um achieving equity if you will um but it has created the kind of culture there that has not been good for the city has not been good for tourism has not been good for the safety of those who live in those areas as well as work in those areas so yeah this is starting to become one of those uh, th- those laws that i think for a long time we understood inherently that this is wrong but it's being justified in many different ways yeah and you're right about that law it's proposition 41 in california at least as of uh last year um it was you could still up to 950 dollars and it was only considered a misdemeanor now here's the, the big problem with that and the reason i would say that law promotes and encourages theft because if you understand as a misdemeanor in in california generally this means that those who get caught don't get prosecuted and so there's a crime and no punishment which just very simply teaches you that ultimately it's okay um but that's not the only thing and i think when we when we come to this one um it's important that we recognize that I, i i mean our whole our whole government um, at least at the moment, is really pushing um, what Scripture would consider to be theft, stealing. Um, a, a recent example is in an article that I read last week. In 2021, the Secret Service said that nearly $100 billion in COVID relief funds were stolen. $100 wow. billion. Dollars. Mm-hmm. And what makes it worse is the last article I could find on the subject stated that they had no idea where the majority of it went and they weren't even sure exactly how much was stolen so it could be far more than that <clears throat> and yeah that's 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 an astronomical figure because that's taxpayer money um, yeah. that that's coming out of the pockets of all those who pay taxes in this country and, and even um the storyline of people that steal and they're really doing it just to be able to survive um, they've had major investigations that I know of in the Bay Area, up, up in the San Francisco area, where they've uh, they've tracked down a lot of the items that were stolen and found out that 
they were being stored up by crime rings. So there's these organized crime rings that are basically taking these items and basically selling it in order to make a profit. So it wasn't at all to simply feed the poor. Or I remember um, AOC in New York uh, saying that uh, in New York, when people were stealing that, oh, these are people that probably need bread, they need milk, they have nothing to survive on. Well, if that's the case, why are they stealing purses and jewelry, right? And yeah, <clears throat> jewelry yeah, stores are yeah. being hit um, more often than anything else. And in San Francisco, I think a lot of people observed that for a long time, uh, especially during the during the shutdown, there was so much theft going on, but the, um, the, the local government didn't do anything about it until it was um, high-end jewelry stores that were being hit. So there was like a, a two or three day time span where a bunch of jewelry stores were being hit across the Bay Area. And then suddenly they started to crack down and say, we, we need to, we need to fix this. And, and it was only, it was only after those high end stores were hit. It wasn't, you know, the other mom and pop shops and, and the convenience stores. Um, we, we know that Walgreens, uh, shut down and, and, uh, d- decided not to reopen, I think, most of their stores, if not all of them. So uh, there's just a lot of hypocrisy in all of this. Yeah. And, and to make it worse, and, and, you know, right now I'm just trying to build a case uh, of just how much our society re- really promotes this from 2020 to now. Uh, and you can go look up. This is public records from 2020 to now. No less than 35 government officials have been prosecuted for stealing in some form or another. And and that's from both parties. Lest yeah. anyone thinks their party is, the, you know, the, the, the good one. That's from both parties. Mm. Um, and mm. that's a big deal. We're talking about federal level um, officials. And so it, it's just, it, and it's super common in our culture, right? Um, falsifying documents. I mean, you, you were in the corporate world, you, you know, the kind of yeah. things that are common in the corporate world, mm-hmm. right? You find embezzlements all the time uh, for stores that carry inventory, falsifying records to decrease their taxes or to increase refunds or rebates. I mean, that happens very often. And, and then we get to a little bit closer to personal um, what about our own individual taxes, right? How many people um, think that it's not a big deal to fudge on their own taxes, yeah. right? Um, you, you take the mentality that taxation is theft, which by the way, I'm, I'm, I believe that myself, uh, at least the way our system does it now. Um, but it's still the law to right. pay taxes. And so if you're intentionally lying, deceiving on your personal income taxes, you're violating this command. You're stealing, um, right? And and not only that, but deceptions involved. Um, e- even things like reporting what you're supposed to report and choosing not to, right? Choosing not to report what what you're supposed to. Now, I'm I'm not saying that uh, by all means use whatever is legal and available to minimize what you owe. Um, but when you just disregard the law altogether, you. You're really stealing. And we don't have to like that. It's just true. Um, and so we see this kind of thing all throughout society. It permeates everything. And it's very interesting. I mentioned just before the show, you know, I'm preaching through the book of Ephesians, and we just talked about this topic last Sunday um, in, in Ephesians chapter four, where Paul says, let me just pull it up real quick. Um, Those who steal should steal no longer. Now, this is I mean, this is the the antithesis of uh, of stealing here that Paul's dealing with. Let me get down to it. Verse 20 of uh, 28, he says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing what is 
what uh, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need and and so now we kind of get into this theology of labor um we're not supposed to steal what do we do instead of that well we're meant to labor labor is actually a good thing in any society that starts to promote this ideology that you're owed something for nothing um is going to go downhill quickly because it goes against the grain of how god has created man to what god's created man to do which is namely to work yeah even from the garden of eden i mean god created man to keep and cultivate the ground um that's where i would start with my theology of work so even in a perfect world before the fall of mankind um adam was called to do work now part of the curse is that that work would become very difficult um with through toil and sweat you know you will eat bread uh, to, until you return to the ground so while work is cursed today and that we have to work hard in order to um, sometimes make ends meet um, the theology of work is all the way there from the beginning and this is one of those areas that um, i i don't believe and, and we're getting a little bit into the government here i know you kind of mentioned that but i actually don't believe the government has any right to tell someone that they can't work in order to supply for their family and that's kind of what happened during the during the COVID shutdowns when people mm -hmm. were told to stay home and they didn't have the the funds to be able to um to, to be able to support themselves so we've got this theology of work and it's not just um at the start there in genesis you already read from ephesians and and we know paul tells the thessalonians right if you're not willing to work then you should not eat yeah. Um, so we, we know that work is a good thing. And the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is filled with with verses uh, that uh, that that lift up uh, the the value of diligence. Um, so when people steal, what they're basically doing is uh, saying that I want to steal from other people's labors uh, for my own benefit. And uh, and it's a way of, of really um, hating someone else, um, yeah. not not having um, compassion or respect for what they have done. And, you know, you talked about uh, taxation. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that all taxation is theft. But for instance, when when all student loans are suddenly forgiven, um, to me, you're you're taking from the pockets of taxpayers in order to fund those who entered into an agreement to take out a loan and pay it back. And now you're saying they don't have to pay it back and everyone else has to has to pay for it. So I think there are very clear ways in which the government, you know, abuses um, taxpayer money. And really, it kind of results in, in theft and even things like um, insider trading. Uh, and we know that uh, folks in in Congress um, are are guilty of this to a large degree. They they know laws are about to be passed. And then suddenly you have uh, close family members who are making some major moves with uh, with their stock, knowing uh, what kinds of um, what kinds of announcements are going to be made. Well, yeah. that's a form of theft um, because you're you're basically um, you're basically profiting off of um, other people's um, ignorance, uh, which you're not supposed to be doing. So. So, yeah, this is uh, it all comes down to taking something that is not yours and, uh, and and really taking advantage of the labor that someone else has has put into it and even the uh, curse upon israel in the old testament when they continue to disobey god um they they would be kicked out of the promised land and god says there's going to be a people who are foreign to you who are going to benefit from the the labors um, that you've put into the land and on the flip side when he brought them into the promised land he said you're benefiting from labors that you did not put into the land um so so we we see that labor is a big part of um a part of this discussion and uh, and with that the the virtue of work and, and being able to to sustain yourself yeah it, you know you made a really good point earlier when you talked about the fact that there was work in the garden 
Um, and, and it's a good point because before sin ever entered into mankind, God told Adam to do what? Tend the garden, right? To to work, um, to to till, and and so yes, the nature of work um, changed w- with sin, right? There was a curse attached to it, but work in and of itself. Hard work was there from the very beginning before sin ever came into yeah. the picture. Now, I would actually say that we can go back a step before that um, with our our theology of work because God Creation. started, yeah. right? Because God mm-hmm. started work. If mm-hmm. you go to Genesis chapter 2, right in verse 2, it says, By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all that his from all his work which he had done well god spent you know we have the record of creation the the first six days he's working tells us all the things which he which he did so yeah. i mean god is our first and primary example and so really when we're talking about labor and we're talking about work this is something that reflects the very character and nature of god we see that that god's working and then if we come into the new testament we have jesus making statements such as my father is working up until now and even i am working up until mm-hmm. now right and and so you 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 see that th- this is really good and 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 something that we should be imitating therefore i mean it helps us i think understand when we get to this commandment which says do not steal that it's not just that it's a bad thing to do it is actually antithetical to God's very character and nature. It goes against um, all that. Yeah, it goes against holiness. Um, the the Ephesians, which I mentioned earlier, uh, the apostle makes that contrast. He says not to steal, and then he tells you what you should be doing instead. And that that whole section is in the context of Paul saying, "Well, now you're something new." right? Lay aside the old self, put on the new self, and here are things that the new self should be looking like. And and we get this list of like four different things right in that section. And really, he's um, giving just some practical illustrations of what godliness is, is meant to look like, what their character is meant to look like. And so, he says, you know, steal no longer, but rather work. And it's interesting because then he tells us why, at least part of the reason why we should be working. And so, not only is it a difference um, in our our heart or our work ethic, whereas before we wanted something for nothing, now we see work as good and we want to work hard, but it goes even beyond that because there are hardworking people in the world. There are unbelievers who work incredibly hard. Um, but then Paul gives us another dynamic, and he says, work so that you might have enough to share with those in need, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, whereas even if the world is working hard, it's a very self-centered, self-gratifying, self-accruing kind of work, right? They're trying to get what they can and acquire as much as they can. Um, and even for even those who are generous, you know, philanthropic, um, ultimately without christ that is a self-centered thing as well and so it's entirely it's an entirely different perspective and and view on life and work that we see the believer should have yeah i think of first timothy chapter 6 verses 17 and 18 uh, paul says instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on god who richly supplies us 
with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, uh, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And even verse 19, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that uh, which is life indeed. Um, the book, uh, the Bible uh, commends hard work, uh, diligence, uh, people who labor. And, and that's what we exist for. I mean, even earlier in the uh, the, the book of Timothy in chapter 2, we see the, those verses on prayer. First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And leading a tranquil and quiet life, I believe, uh, means we're contributing to society. We, we, we're doing something that's uh, contributing good to, uh, to the people around us. And, you know, the fact that you mentioned that even non-believers work hard, and indeed they do, um, this goes to show that this is something that God has written in the heart of all men. I mean, this is in our conscience. Um, I think everywhere you go, um, for the most part, you are going to see very specific laws uh, that say you are not to take another person's property. And even in places where they don't exist, the ones who are in power, I guarantee you, they protect their own property. So there's an understanding there that uh, that, that what you have earned uh, for yourself um, should not be just freely taken um, from someone else. So uh, so when we think about the fact that it's written on our heart, we understand that there is a testimony that we give to the outside world. Um, everywhere you go and every workplace that, that you go to, people who work hard are going to be the ones who are most respected, most trusted, right? The ones who um, will often uh, be promoted. Um, so th this is a a virtue that is, um, is seen in every aspect of life, both believer and unbeliever, but especially for the believer, Having been redeemed by God through Jesus Christ and, and knowing that we have an ultimate inheritance um, in heaven and here now we are called to make disciples of all the nations and to um, to show ourselves to be a good example of Christ. Um, it doesn't mean that the hard work ends. The hard work, in fact, we have more reason to work hard. Um, we have more reason to work hard, um, both in terms of our secular jobs, but also spiritually, um, being in the word, uh, being in prayer, uh, ministering to people, witnessing the gospel. You know, our lives now belong to Christ. And when you think about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was the ultimate example of hard work. I mean, this guy hardly rested at all. Um, he did get tired, of course. He got tired. He slept. But we also know that even after a long day, the next day, he would wake up and he would go to a place where he can be in prayer for a long time before he starts his work. So he was um, he, he was an example of tireless work ethic. And I think you see that with the apostles as well when you look at the book of Acts. And in fact, nowhere um, is this idea of just lounging around in comfort ever commended. Um, anywhere in the scriptures, yeah. because it, it it does not glorify God. Um, it's it doesn't it doesn't benefit anyone except yourself. That's not to say that you can't enjoy um, some good re re relaxation, but that's not the goal in life. Yeah, and it certainly not shouldn't be the the normal thing. Um, and, and I mean, this is one of the you know the the faulty premises on which retirement is built. Um, I, I mean, in all honesty, the Bible doesn't promote anything like our understanding of retirement. You know, this sort of idea of when you get to a certain age, your life work is done and you can just sort of sit back and do nothing. That's not biblical. It's American, but it's not biblical. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The scripture has a lot to say about hard work and nothing good to say about those who don't work hard colossians three twenty three says whatever you do do your work heartily as for the lord rather than men just to your point about how 
um, we view work differently and we have a different reason to work. Well, one of the reasons is that the work that we're doing is to glorify God. Um, and that ought to change really our perspective on, on, on our work, on our jobs. It, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you have a job and a boss that's not so fantastic. It's not ideal um, for you. But the reality is when you go to work and you work hard because you realize what you're doing glorifies God, uh, if you're doing it in the right way, that should change our perspective. Um, but it's not the only place, right? I mean, every, every single morning, um, I post a you know, summary of 1 Corinthians 10.31 every single day. Yeah. And I do that really just for myself. Um, and if it helps other people, great. But it's a good reminder for me um, to, to write that every morning and, and post it. Uh, because I see it, but it says whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory, all to the glory of God, and and that would certainly include our work, right? Um, and then just a couple of, of passages as I have it pulled up here. Proverbs has a lot to say about the subject of laziness and work. Um, I Proverbs six six through eleven. Everyone knows this proverb: Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe mm-hmm. her ways and be wise, which having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding yeah. of the hands to rest. Mm-hmm. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Um, I, our country desperately needs that proverb posted in every <clears throat> every official office, everyone who makes policies. Um, but it, it's not the only place, right? Proverbs twelve eleven says, "He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense." And we understand they're talking about the the, the prophets of hard work there. Um, yeah, fourteen twenty three. And in all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. And just goes on and and on and on. Uh, the the differences between those who work hard and those who don't. Now, I think um, uh, another one that would be jarring for our society as a whole. And and we just talk about this because we realize that we are a part of our culture. And as Christians, we certainly have to deal with being influenced by our culture, right? It's very easy. And I think especially, and you probably agree, in the last couple of years, um, the amount of manipulation that has happened by way of twisting biblical language and trying to get mm-hmm. people to do things that aren't biblical has been astounding. Um, but you go to uh, Thessal- in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and you read stuff like this. It says, for even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. No such persons we command, uh, now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. I, that's a jarring statement for our current yeah. world. 
Well, and, and you know, we, we live in a culture that um, is increasingly attacking the idea of meritocracy. The, the idea of meritocracy is that um, you, you, you will get back uh, what you put in. If you work hard, you're going to be rewarded for it. And, and really, when you think about this country and uh, the success that this country had in a short amount of time from the time that it was founded, um, really, that, that was based a lot on hard work. Um, this was the place where people can go to. This was called the land of opportunity. Uh, my parents came from Thailand here, and my father came here, and uh, and, and I remember he's the one that came first, and, and he wrote uh, back to my mother a letter back in those days. There's no email. They're writing handwritten letters, and and he wrote that uh, America is an incredible country, but but the work is hard. You got to put in a lot of hard work. Um, but he raised me on that ethic that uh, you know if you if you put in the work, um, you will be re- rewarded. Now. That's not to say that there isn't injustice. That's not to say that there aren't people who take advantage um, of other people's labors. Um, but in general, from everyone I've met and all the work experience I've had, when people who have, if a person has an ethic of hard work, if they have a reputation of hard work, it will pay off. And uh, and so that's that's what meritocracy is all about. And today, meritocracy is often lifted up as um, as a value of of whiteness or a value of a kind of white privilege or something like that, which is absolutely ridiculous because in the Asian work ethic, and of course I'm Asian, but in the Asian culture, uh, we're known for our work ethic. That hey, we we study hard, uh, we work hard, all those kinds of things, and and that's why Asians. Um, tend to and at least in the countries that you know Japan and, and China and places like that they they do well uh, almost in everything they do when when I was in Japan and working with the Japanese people for over a year um, I was really just impressed at whenever they said they would do something it was done they would get it done and and it, it promoted such a stronger sense of unity and trust within the workplace that it was easy to 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 be able to achieve things together rather than feeling like you're kind of fighting against the current mm-hmm. um, but all that again comes into just um just the importance of, of good work and, and again when we're not doing that and we're being lazy um then really we're just looking to take from other people's labors which goes back to our whole point of stealing yeah, it, it's very interesting because, it, you know, we've heard for years now, and of course, it's been going on for much longer behind the scenes, sort of this idea of, you know, if you had certain ancestors or if certain happens, you know, certain things happened to your family 100 years ago or 200 years ago, then basically you deserve to get something for nothing, right? This idea of you don't have to work. And, and then, of course, we've already talked about some of the other major issues now it's gotten to the point where you know uh, officials are just flat out justifying theft yeah right by saying oh well they need to eat well the principle in scripture is that if you don't work you don't eat i mean we hear that said but that's biblical we just read the passage um now let me be clear i'm not saying that there's no room for charity that that's not what i'm saying but you know if you look at um you know in that ephesians chapter which is you know incredible in in four the idea is that you take personal responsibility right so paul says perform with your own hands Mm -hmm. which is redundant it's unnecessary that he says your own hands but perform with your own hands what is good and he's making the point of it's your responsibility to work so that you can feed yourself um, and then we understand, right, because he goes on to say that we should be working so that we would have to share with those in need. And I, I think the understanding of Scripture is that um, everyone should be working hard and diligent. Yep. And despite the hard work, there will be things in the lives of people which cause them to lack. 
um, not of their own doing. So, you know, maybe there was a, a natural disaster or there was an illness or a sickness mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they just made an unusually dumb decision. Um, right. That's not consistent with their character. Um, and, and so you step in and you're giving to one who's lacking, but they're not lacking because they're unwilling to work. And that's the key. Right. If you're right, not right. willing to work, you shouldn't eat. Um, but our society isn't in line with that at all. Right. We basically say um, you, you don't have to work. And if you don't work, you can still eat. In fact, we would say it's owed to you. Right. I mean, our culture. Right. Right. But that's just not what the Bible teaches. If you don't work, if you're unwilling to work, you should be hungry. Um, And and the interesting thing is, while that while that sounds harsh, the, the hunger should be a motivation to do what God has ordained as good. Right. A man gets hungry enough. He should work. We have the command not to steal. Right. Um, and, and so we, we shouldn't even steal if we're hungry. Uh, we should always be willing to work. We can make a lot of cases for this is why for believers, the body of Christ is so important. Um, right. You know, you're working hard. Something comes up. You're not able to provide for your family. And then the body of Christ does what the body of Christ does. You know, they, they share and they take care of one another. Yeah, and we see examples of that in the book of Acts. Um, early on in the book of Acts, those who had a lot sold their uh, their belongings or in order to provide for those who had little. And even the Apostle Paul, after the Jerusalem Council, he was called upon to um, take a collection for the poor saints uh, in Jerusalem. And so uh, a lot of people will make a lot out of how the church uh, is supposed to be that organization that helps to feed the poor. Well, Yes and no. Um, we're, we're to take care of the poor first and foremost within the body of Christ. And and you see that example, for instance, um, even in 1 Timothy 5, when Paul gives instructions about taking care of widows. Well, we know that pure religion is taking care of widows and orphans. Yeah. But um, but you, you would expect if that were the case that Paul would say, go out and make sure all the widows are taken care of. But no, he's actually very discriminating about which widows that they're supposed to take care of. They need to be of a certain age. They need to have a certain testimony within, within, the, uh, within the church. They must have labored and in instructing others or um, you know ministering to other saints and all that and and they must have good character um, not be people that are known by um, by immorality and, and those kinds of things so we we work um, part of that is to help provide for those who do find themselves in unfortunate circumstances you know um, they may have gotten into a car accident that prevents them from being able to to work and be able to supply for themselves you know those are examples and when we talk about retirement, um, in my view, and I think you would agree with this, um, retirement is really best for those who can't work anymore. Um, either they they yeah. no longer function, um, they they've gotten ill, or just maybe um, because of the, the the culture, they they can no longer find work anywhere. People are not hiring because uh, I know sometimes people are yeah. hesitant to hire people of a certain age. So you know those are the good reasons to to be retired. But as long as you're able to work, you work not only for yourself, but you work for the good of those around you that are going to end up having some kind of need. Um, so that that's that's biblical. Um, I think that's the example that we see, um, especially in the apostles and especially the apostle Paul. Um, but when Jesus Christ said, they shall know you by your love for one another, um, that that's the idea that we're to make sure that uh, that there, the needs within the body um, of Christ are always met. Yeah, it's a good point about retirement. When when we talk about retirement, we're not talking just about the secular world. Uh, where I, you know, when I mentioned that retirement isn't a biblical idea, what I'm not talking about 
And just to clarify, is the idea that after you work for a company for 30 years, that you can stop working for the company and they've agreed to give you a pension or whatever. I'm not saying that is bad. I'm saying after you do that, you go home, you sit in your lounge chair and you're just sort of done with any kind of hard work in life. That's not biblical. It is what a lot of people do. No. Uh, they just sort of give up. So, you know what? You quote unquote retire from your secular job or whatever it is, but then you should, your life, as long as you're physically able, should still be classified as hard work, right? Then you give more time to the church. You, um, you know, you garden, whatever it is, but you should yeah. be doing labor still. Maybe yeah. it's just in a different arena, uh, just to kind of clarify that. Um, it, you brought up. The, the the fact that uh, the apostles gave stipulations to taking care of widows yep. and um that definitely goes against the grain of society um they, they would probably not be very happy to hear us say that but it is very interesting because again it shows the expectation of of work right um not just someone who refuses and you give them things and there may be you know that may happen occasionally but that shouldn't be the norm uh, i actually want to read that passage so you're referring to first timothy chapter five um you go down to verse nine and he gives these stipulations i mean so this is the apostle in the early church this is the apostle paul in the early church right where they're doing the things that god has them do this is written in scripture this is our standard for how we deal with people and and what you don't see him doing is telling the church they should just be feeding all the poor in fact quite the opposite so verse 9 he says a widow is to be put on the list and this is to be taken care of right only if she is not less than 60 years old and I think the premise is because certainly you could either be married or working. Mm-hmm. Um, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, right. and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. That's quite the list. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying if there's a widow who comes to the church and she's in need and she doesn't have the character of of this, not that she's perfect, but she hasn't demonstrated this in her life, you don't put her on the church's list. Yeah. Right? Because the premise is um, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't have this character in in the church. And I think sometimes we – we forget to realize at least the world does right the church has limited resources just like everyone else Mm -hmm. and that's our role and responsibility even in the context of ephesians paul is talking about giving to those predominantly in the church that that's the context in in which paul is speaking of um yeah and, and and we talked earlier about retirement and what are the good reasons to actually be retired you know when someone can no longer um take care of themselves that that's that's all the more reason for the body of Christ to rally around that person. So it's not just when yeah. they find themselves in un, unfortunate circumstances, but for some of those elderly folks. But even for the widow, and even if the widow meets all of those stipulations that you mentioned, there's yet another one that if that widow has people in their own household, right? Um, yep. Then it should be the responsibility of those people um, to take care of the widow. So in other words, you know, those within your own family that have needs, make sure you you. You meet them and don't leave it to the church to try to meet that. So, so there's even more stipulations uh, above and beyond that. Now, what what neither of us are saying is that you should never give 
to the poor, period. Uh, neither of us are saying that. You Correct. can you, you can give to the poor. It, it's, it's a good deed. Um, but uh, be wise about it. Um, because I, I think what does not glorify God is if you're just giving to the poor outside the church when there are people inside the church with needs. Um, we need to prioritize those who are fellow brothers and sisters uh, in Christ uh, within the church. And, and the other mistake that a lot of people make is thinking that just giving uh, money or, or food to the poor by itself is going to be pleasing to God. No, I, I think you, you need to be driven by the goal of bringing them the gospel. You know, we're here to make disciples. We're not here necessarily just to feed the poor or to um, help the homeless. Um, you you want to be able to bring the, the gospel to them. And I can tell you that in the area that I live in, you know, a lot of the homeless folks here are, unfortunately, most of the time, they're they're high. I mean, they're they're high on drugs and, and all that. And when you do some digging around, you, you start to find out that a lot of times they're in that position. Um, you know, it's not that they became poor and then, you know, homeless and then they turned to drugs, but rather they became poor and homeless because of the drugs, because of the drug addiction. So you got to exercise some wisdom there, too. I mean, if you're going to help them out and give them money, you, you know, realize that you might be funding a drug addiction. Yeah. You know, and, and instead of just giving them food or something like that, so it, it requires some wisdom. But but all all this to say that that giving to the poor that's not the central call of the church. And a lot of people get upset at hearing that, and think that that runs counter to the example of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ Himself um, is, is the one who emphasized that He is the Son of God, and that our belief needs to be in Him. And then He gave the Great Commission, which means making disciples, helping people to know Christ and to follow the commandments that he has given. And how? what are those commandments? Well, you see examples of what those commands, commandments are all throughout the book of Acts and in all the letters written to the churches from the um, apostles and disciples to the churches. You want to know how to apply Jesus Christ's teaching? Read those letters um, because that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking the, the teaching of Jesus Christ um, through the moving of the Holy Spirit and applying it to the real issues of the church. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Just imagine if when the world looked at the church, what they saw was not the church constantly giving into the poor communities of the world, but that no believer had lack because they took care of each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, w wouldn't that change the perspective? At the very least, it would cause people to look at the church and say, wow, they really take care of their own. They really love their own. Um, instead of the church so focused on trying to appease the world, um, you know, by giving to this thing and giving to that thing. And like you said, it's not that we never do that, but all throughout scripture, our primary focus in sharing and taking care of each other is just that of one another. And mm -hmm. I would even argue that if the church has poor in their own congregation, and they're giving to the community rather than helping those in their own congregation. That's stealing. Yeah, it's stealing yeah. uh, from God's provision. The, the it, it's almost like it, your your own family has need and your next door neighbor has need. And instead of buying what your child needs, you you give to your neighbor. It it, it sounds like maybe a noble thing to do, but in fact, it's not because you're not caring for your 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 own household first. Um, it, it, you know, interesting. When uh, we were talking about the widows, um, and of course, there's an age limit that Paul gives, but listen to what he, the reason he gives for not letting younger widows get aid from the church. He says he actually would prefer that they get married and they bear yeah. children and they keep house. This is not a message for our society. <laughs> it is, <laughs> right? And that they would give the enemy for no 
uh, no occasion for reproach, for some have already turned aside, he says. And then is that passage that you referenced, if a woman ha- is a believer and has a family that can take care of her, she also shouldn't be added to the church. Yeah. And, and, and the idea is that we steward God's resources well. Yeah. And you can't do that if they're going to the wrong places. And in some time, at some uh, in some instances, we're stealing by not allocating them in the right places. Yeah, John chapter 13, uh, verse 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That That's a pretty powerful statement because Jesus says, This is how they will know that you are my followers. This is how they know that you follow me, that you have love for one another. And he is directly addressing the disciples. And he's not simply just talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's important. We ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. This doesn't cheapen that command, but rather this is more particular than that command. This is to say that your love for one another as disciples is going to be how the world knows that you belong to me. And then First John, uh, John, it's the same author as the Gospel of John, writes in First John chapter 3, verse 17, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? So that love for one another should be expressed by meeting each other's needs. And this also is the reason why church matters. Um, the gathering of the body of Christ matters. We're not simply just going out and, and helping the poor. And let me tell you this, a church that is just devoted to helping the poor, just in general, is going to be celebrated by the world. That's what the world wants from the church, because then the church is no longer confronting them about their sin. The church is no longer confronting them about them about their their need to confess Jesus Christ or or claiming that anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ is going to hell. And, and this is also a very convenient way, I believe, for the world to kind of push off a responsibility onto the church um, that that they you know it, it takes it out of their hands and and says hey you guys are the do-gooders you take care of all of this right so if a church is just devoted to helping the poor they're going to be celebrated by the world but the moment you say no our central mission is to share the news of christ that everyone's a sinner going to hell and they need christ for the forgiveness of sins you're going to see that applause suddenly turn into hatred and just as Jesus said in John 15, 18, if they hated you, know first that they hated me. Now, I'm not saying that just because the world hates you, you're doing something right. right. But what I am saying is that if you do the right thing, that you will be hated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jesus fed the crowds, right? Um, but then when he got down to his message, yeah. w- what happened, right? They all abandoned him. And and we shouldn't expect any any, any different. Yeah, that that's that's John chapter six. He opens up that that chapter feeding the five thousand, and we know there's probably a lot more than five thousand. He fed the five thousand. They followed him, and then he, as they're following him, Jesus Christ is sharing how he's the bread of life. He's talking about how the Father must draw them in, and everyone that the Father draws, he will not not uh, let go of. And then by the time you get to the end of that chapter, John chapter six verse sixty six reveals that many of those who were his disciples left. They walked away. Why? Because they couldn't accept his teaching. And then he turns to his own disciples and said, you're not going to leave also, are you? You know, and Peter says, where are we going to go? You you have the words of eternal life. And and, uh, then Jesus kind of issues a soft rebuke. Did I not choose you first? So that chapter is filled with hard teaching from Jesus Christ, where he starts off by meeting their physical needs, if you will. And that's why they're following him. But they end up leaving because Jesus Christ is doubling down on spiritual truths that they refuse to accept. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got just a few minutes left. And so we've been talking a lot about work. And I think that's necessary when we get to a commandment like not to steal, because, well, if we aren't to steal, but when we understand 
what God's character and nature is and a theology of work, I, I think it deepens um, our understanding of why this commandment is so detrimental, why it's so against the character of God. But I, I want to switch gears just a little bit and answer the question, okay, well, what are some ways in which believers are in danger of violating this command? Because I think as with a lot of uh, the other commands on, on, on the face, we're like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a thief. I don't go into the Neiman Marcus and pick up a handbag and say I needed bread um, I, or whatever it is. It, you know, I don't steal from my boss. I don't steal from this. Um, and, and we mentioned a few of those things like how we deal with our taxes and, and things like that. Um, but what are some other ways that that you think, Eki, in the church, we ought to be conscious of maybe common temptations for someone who's genuinely a believer, how we may be falling into this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of um, the, the the COVID shutdown and what happened as businesses were starting to reopen. Initially, it was hard to find workers. Uh, businesses had a really hard time finding workers, even though the economy was down and people needed the money. And why is that? Well, it's because the government was giving free checks to a lot of people. And, and those checks actually, in some cases, um, were probably more than what a lot of companies could, could pay people to come back to work. And, and I would say in an example like that, if you're a believer, you know, and, and you're not actually doing any kind of work at all, but you're just taking advantage of the system in that way. Um, that That's a form of stealing, you know, or if you're at the workplace and, and you're taking advantage of supplies that are there at, at the workplace and taking it home, mm-hmm. um, that's a form of stealing. You know, if you're at the workplace and you're being paid for eight hours, but you spend uh, one or two hours just goofing off uh, when, when the boss is not looking, mm-hmm. um, that that's that's a form of stealing, yeah. right? Uh, you, you take a loan from someone and, and you don't pay it back um, or you're late in paying it back, you're, you're not only... Uh, um, lying, but you're you're stealing, right? So there are a lot of forms of of stealing, and mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, um, uh, oppression is often mentioned as when employers are withholding the wages um, that their their workers deserve, right? You know, so that that's a form of stealing. So think in terms of what rightfully belongs to mm-hmm. you. What have you truly earned um, versus what have you simply just taken? Right. And uh, and and if and especially if you're doing it to the detriment of um, of someone else and especially within the body of Christ, you know, that's uh, that 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 requires repentance. Any kind of stealing requires requires repentance. Yeah. Um, but we certainly want to be sure that uh, we are exercising the command to love one another. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times when we start to take advantage, um, that's the very opposite uh, of love. Yeah, and 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 there are other ways too. We can steal time, and I think people yeah. don't think about that. You, I, I mean, this happens to pastors all the time. It happens to me in in meetings all the time. Um, and while it may seem like kind of a benign thing, uh, the the issue the, the problem is that it's really a form of disrespecting and hating the person. So y- you say you're going to meet at one o'clock, and for no other reason than you were just lazy and didn't plan, you show up at one thirty. You know, not realizing that that other person you're you're meeting with has planned their whole day around this meeting, yeah. um, and and not to be nitpicky, but it's a way that you can steal time from people, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's not to say that things don't come up, and there are appropriate ways to deal with that, right. but just to get us thinking about um, th- those different areas where maybe we've just been careless with things that belong to others, and at the end of the day, we have to say, yeah you know, really, I did steal this or I did steal that. You made a good uh, point in the workforce today. Something that we all see all the time is you turn the corner and there's a teen there on their cell phone. 
that's stealing no. because I guarantee that employer is not paying them to be on their cell phone. Um, and in a culture that no longer values work, that can sound harsh, but here's the reality. You sign a contract and you make an agreement, right? For X amount of dollars for X amount of work. Yeah. Um, and what you're doing is you're not doing the work and, and still getting the pay. And yeah. that's theft. And we do those kind of things in a lot of other uh, a lot of other ways. Um, it, you know, it's interesting it, when the Apostle Paul in Ephesians four talks about laboring. That word that word for laboring means to work until exhaustion. Just to give an idea of what the expectation is. Mm. Um, and I have to admit, it, you know, I said we preached on that last Sunday. I was sitting at my desk and I had to ask myself. You know, I spend, you and I both, we spend a lot of time in preparation. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it matters. It's important. I mean, it's the very, it's the most important thing we do is open the word of God and rightly um, right. preach that to people, mm-hmm. uh, exposit that. But I had to ask myself, do I do that on a daily basis to exhaustion? And in other words, do I do it? Have I given everything I can to that task? Yeah. Um, and, and so that's something good to ask. Uh, as well. I think this is going to be one of those things where Christians are going to have to take a step back as our culture sort of just continues to spiral downward. Our government wants to give everybody something for nothing, except no one, except someone has to pay for it. Right. 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 And, and I think the question for a lot of God-fearing, lovely believers who care, who are striving to live godly lives um, are, are going to have to take a step back and ask questions such as, can I, can I receive this and, and still be right before God? I, I realize that they're willing to give it to me, um, but it, is this just simply they're stealing from someone and I'm, I'm taking that knowingly, right? So mm-hmm. I think, and, and this is just my, where I see the culture going, I think in, in the future, in the near future, there are going to be a lot of instances where the right thing for a Christian to do in order to not violate this command and to walk in holiness is to turn down free things from the government. Um, and and right. I think it's a, it's going to be a case-by-case thing where we have to look and we have to ask good questions. You know, where is this coming from? Do they have the right to do this? Or um, is this an unethical thing? Just because the government does something doesn't make it biblically ethical, right? Right. I mean, governments do unethical things all the time. So, I think that's going to be a big area for faithful believers, right? This is going to be where Satan would want to come in and and cause us to stumble because after a while, you get used to just being given and given and given, um, and it does kind of… Um, promote the danger of yeah. not wanting to work anymore, and so that's the threat. I think of those things. A- anything to add to that? Yeah, that there's there's um, very no, nothing is free in life. We we've heard that saying many times before, and so um, I, I would treat with uh, suspicion anything that is provided by the government uh, for free. Um, there was a story out of uh, Colorado. Uh, the the uh, utilities company um, offered $100 off, I think, of their utility bill each year if they agree to be a part of this program. And then, as it turns out, uh, in the terms and conditions, the government uh, the, uh, reserves the right to basically lock their access to their own AC 
um, and, and prevent them from being able to use um, their AC during certain periods of time of the year. And so th- those are just examples where we want to be suspicious of, of those kinds of, of handouts. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, do, do be very conscientious and think through um, what it is that you're accepting, um, what it is that you're working for. And, and even for people that uh, were able to um, receive checks from the government for not working, I would often tell people, look, even if working doesn't provide you a monetary benefit, um, go and do it because um, one, it, it develops good habits. But second, when you start looking for jobs, um, employers are much more likely to hire people who are working than people who are not. Um, so th- there's just a lot of benefits, but most in, first and foremost, and most importantly is that verse that you talked about, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do all for the glory of God. The reason why we do it is to glorify God. Yeah, God created man to work. We see that in the garden, and that's yep. never changed. The difficulty changed, but the, the 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 purpose has never changed. And so, there should never be a time where we aren't doing some sort of work. And and I and I want to just put in at the end here. This is not to say, and I'd hate for anyone to walk away thinking, you know, um, you know, I'm I'm working two jobs. My wife is w- working a job. We're doing everything we can. We're struggling, and and you tell me I, I I need to work and I and I'm not working hard enough maybe because we don't have what we need. That's not what we're saying. And I think right. we've made that clear. Um, but the other side of that is, you know, if you are working, right, and you need help, that is where the church is meant to come in. And and so don't let the sin of pride, right, um, stop us from you know coming to the church if we're in genuine need. I I don't think that's the case as much as the other right uh, people just wanting something for nothing. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that needs to be said too. Well, we've like we've done every episode. Eki, we've talked about the law and we've talked predominantly about work, but it's important in talking about not stealing. It's an easy one. We know we shouldn't steal. And I think every individual, I, I would hope, is taking a bit of time, sitting back and thinking, what are there, are there any areas in my life where I'm stealing that God would reveal to me that I can repent of and, and correct course on that? So we've spoken about the law, but we want to end on the gospel. So why don't you tell us again this episode, what what is the gospel? Yeah, as we've been talking about work, there's one thing that you can't work for, and that is your salvation. Um, we are all unrighteous before God. We talked about the theology of, the, of work that started in the Garden of Eden. But what ended up happening is that Adam and Eve, um, they disobeyed God. And because of that, uh, mankind was cursed, the world was cursed, even work was cursed. And so from that point in time, we are born into this world as sinners. We are unrighteous before God and the sin, sinfulness that uh, is within us and the sins that we commit uh, make us stand guilty before God. And we will not be justified. And by justified, I mean, he will not declare us uh, innocent and, and righteous. And so we recognize that we have that problem. Um, God is a perfect judge. He is perfectly righteous. He is perfectly just. He must punish sin. And uh, that's the issue that we have because the law does not justify anyone. The law only condemns us. It only goes to show us our sin and the ways that we fall short uh, of God's holy standard. And so God didn't leave it there. Um, He could have easily sent us all into hell. He could have easily condemned all of us, but rather he expressed his love for us. Um, John 3.16 says, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that he who believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we recognize that Jesus Christ coming into this world was an expression of God's love. 
And Ephesians tells us that uh, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, um, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. So the one thing that you can't work for is your salvation, and that is the one area that Jesus Christ did work for. Jesus came and was a tireless worker, but most important uh, was his work on the cross. He went to the cross in order to pay for the sins that all of us have committed, um, all of us who had put our faith into Jesus Christ. And so that by putting your faith into Jesus Christ, by repenting, meaning that you turn away from your prior man of, manner of living and you commit to following Christ, um, you put your faith into Christ and the promise from there is that you have eternal life. It's not any of the works that you have done. It is 100% the work that Christ has accomplished at the cross. And by that, we know we will have um, rewards in heaven awaiting us, um, rewards that Jesus Christ himself secured for us. And so that's why we give praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that we did nothing to deserve this. And what we did deserve, Jesus Christ bore on the cross. So put your faith into Jesus Christ, uh, repent, um, and, and you will find uh, salvation that only God can provide. Amen. Well, I hope that this has been helpful to you. If you would like to contact us for any reason, you can find that information in the show notes. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.